0: As I said, Mark chapter 15, as you turn there, let me just review for just a second where we were last week, particularly if you weren't here, but even if you were, just to remind you. Uh, and so last week, we were um, at Jesus' trial, or trial in quotes, of the Jewish religious leaders. Remember, it was a false trial, happened between 1 and 3 a.m., broke every legal rule in the book, right? And so the religious leaders were trying to hold on to control. We talked a lot about that, do you remember? Control, and then Peter, he lied three times, he denied Christ three times, and he was thinking self-preservation, he didn't want to die that day, right? And so we had both control and lying, we talked a lot about that last week. So now we pick up, after the Jewish religious leaders, uh, we pick up from there. Um, So this is Mark chapter 15, and we'll read the first half of the chapter. This is the word of the Lord, let us give it our full attention. For he perceived it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with this man whom you call king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. But having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! They were spitting, they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. They led him out to crucify him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. So sad, so sad. Jesus, you remember this day well. And as do you, Father, for you watch from heaven full of sadness. And yet, Jesus, you were full of joy. As Scripture says, full of joy for what would come. Lord, I pray this morning that we would experience both the sadness and the joy of what you did for us. And then I pray, Lord, that it would really impact the shame that so many of us Either fear or experience. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. I recently um, took my wife to the movies. It was a good idea. We had fun. We went and saw the movie Devotion. It was a movie, a war movie, about pilots during the Korean War. So this would be early 1950s. And so it's based on a true story. One of the pilots' name is Jesse Brown. He was the only African American in in his entire battalion. So think 1950s. So there's still a lot of racial stuff going on, right? So he received uh, much, there's much racism still there. And, um, but there's this one scene that really stuck with me. Um, it's a scene where he's um, in the bathroom alone, looking in the mirror, no one else is around, and he's shouting these racist things. He has this book where he wrote down every racist thing anyone ever told him. And he's shouting them at himself. And he would do this before each mission to get himself ready. Isn't that strange? Isn't that strange? You know, we, shame is such a strange thing. We all struggle with shame. Either the shame of the fear of being shamed or the shame of what's been done to us or things we've done. You know, is shame like a, a heavy backpack? Kids, if you ever if had a heavy backpack with way too many books in it, or is it like that? But then you take it off. Or is it like a jacket, a jacket that you take on and you put off? Or is it like cancer that gets down to your bones, becomes your identity, the shame? I think for Jesse Brown, it appeared that it got to his bones. What about you? This is what we're going to talk about today. This is a heavy topic. It's a heavy topic, but it's one that needs talking about, and it's one that's addressed in our passage. We're encountering Jesus facing shame today. Look at page seven. You see our outline. If we are confident we have God's approval, what does it allow us to do? Three things. We can confidently be silent, first. Second, we can confidently face public humiliation. And third, we can confidently be mocked. Let's look at that first one. We can confidently be silent. Look back at verse 1. And so it says, as soon as it was morning, as we said, that trial happened between 1 and 3 a.m., and then now morning, they've all come back together, having this consultation. This is their lame attempt at putting space between the verdict and the sentencing. Legally, they're supposed to be 24 hours. They did between 3 a.m. and, and daylight, okay? And so now they're back sentencing Jesus. But then look what else it says. It says they bound Jesus. Now you, you bind a dangerous criminal, right? I mean, if it's a white collar crime, they usually don't bind them in handcuffs the same way as a dangerous murderer, right? Because they're like, he's not running, right? But they're treating Jesus like he's a dangerous man. How shameful. But then look, they turn him over to who? To Pilate. Now why in the world are they involving Rome? Why don't they just take care of this themselves? Here's why. The Jews were not allowed to use capital punishment. They wanted Jesus dead. In order to do that, they had to involve Rome. So they had to take him to Pilate to get this sentence. So then, look there verse 2. It says, And Pilate asked him to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, You have said so. So Jesus is affirming it. Now, why this? This is likely the official charge. The Jews probably didn't come and say, Hey, he's blasphemous. Rome's going to say, Hey, who cares? That's your problem. It's a, a, a um, religious problem, right? But, Oh, king of the Jews? Well, you know, Rome wasn't as excited about having lots of the kings running around. So that might matter to them. So he's saying, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus affirms it. But then look what happens next. Verse 3. The chief priests accuse him of many things. So they're railing against him. All kinds of false accusations. So Pilate again asks Jesus, have you no answer to make? So here's Jesus just standing there and just taking it. They're just laying on him all these false accusations. And Pilate's just in, in shock. Like he's had lots of prisoners, right? There, you know, now in a courtroom. Your defense attorney says, you don't say anything. You just sit there, right? You're probably going to incriminate yourself. This, this wasn't that way. They didn't have a defense attorney. They would, they would just beg, right? Pilate was probably used to people begging. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I'm innocent, right? But here's Jesus just standing confidently and silently. Pilate's amazed. Look, it says that in verse five. Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. He's in shock. How in the world is Jesus just standing here saying nothing? Um, kids, this is something you can try at home. Try this at home sometime. Adults, you can try it too. Next time there's um, some conflict in the family um, between spouses or between siblings, try this out. One of your siblings is upset at you, your spouse is upset at you, and they're raising their voice or they're very animated in it, and you just ad- attentively listen and say nothing. If you're prone to yelling, that will be very difficult for you, won't it? Just stand there and listen. It's very hard. Holding your tongue does not come easy to most of us, right? This is what Jesus did. Why do you think you, you often yell back? I think part of it is, is that we have a desire not to be humiliated, not to be mocked. Right? We think to ourselves, that's not the whole story. You're exaggerating. That's not how it really went down, right? And we need to make sure that gets heard. We need to make our point. Make sure they hear that, that, right? To stand silent and just listen. That is not normal. Hey, could I, I know we're Presbyterian, but hey, is that not normal? Amen? It's not normal. It is, try it sometime and you will then, your amen next time will be far more hearty if you try being silent. It's hard. It is really, really hard. This is what Jesus did. But I, I do need to bring up a difficult matter. What about spousal abuse or child abuse? Should you re- remain silent then? The answer is no. Here's why. You're not Jesus. You're not Jesus. Jesus was about to go pay the penalty for all of our sins. And so he remained silent. He was like the sheep going to be slaughtered. Now any other day you have Jesus, how do you respond? He actually spoke, Right. When the Pharisees and Jewish religious leaders came to him and accused him of stuff, he he exposed their hypocrisy, right? He responded. He didn't just stand there, okay? So first thing you need to know, you're not Jesus in cases of spousal abuse and child abuse. There's another difference. There's a difference between, regardless of whether you decide to be silent or to respond to the person yelling at you or abusing you, is that there's a difference between that and remaining silent completely you need to tell someone else you can tell me you can tell Brandon tell a trusted friend you need to talk to someone so regardless of whether you respond to the person yelling at you or hurting you you need to tell someone very very important Uh, Ephesians 5 is very helpful here verse 11 and following says take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them for it is shameful even to speak the things that are done in secret. Yes, it's shameful, but they need to be exposed. They need to be brought into the light. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Satan has great power in the darkness. You all know this is true. And so bring it into the light. You need to bring your sin into the light and other people's sin into the light. Do not keep it hidden. You need to tell someone, okay, sadly, these false accusations is just the beginning of what Jesus will suffer in this passage. This brings us to our second point. We can confidently face public humiliation. We now have this bizarre situation with Barabbas. Look at verses 6 to 10. So they're used to, at the feast, being able to ask for a prisoner. It identifies this guy, Barabbas. What do we know about him? He's committed murder in the insurrection. Okay, so we've got dangerous murderer. Pilate says, verse 9, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? Now, in, in Pilate's mind, this is a no-brainer, right? He, verse 10, he could perceive easily that it was out of envy that the Jewish religious, Jewish religious leaders turned Jesus over. He's like, I'll fix this. This crowd will be logical. They're gonna have common sense. Would you like to have dangerous murderer or this kind, quiet Jewish teacher, right? He's like, this is a no-brainer. They're going to say, Jesus, and then he's out of it, right? He, it's out of his hands. Well, let's see how much common sense this crowd has. So you look there. It says, with the chief priests, verse 11, they stirred up the crowd to have them, to have Pilate release from them, Barabbas instead. And so Pilate is, is surprised. He says, well, what do I do with the king of the Jews? And they scream, what two words? Crucify him. They knew what they were saying. It was a curse. They wanted him under the curse of God. The Old Testament said, Curses anyone hung on a tree. They said, We want him under the curse of God. They said it two times. So sad. So sad. Imagine how Jesus felt having this crowd screaming for his execution. Have you ever suffered unjustly? Have you ever suffered unjustly? For some of you, you majorly have suffered unjustly. Many of you have in some small way. Jesus knows exactly how you feel. I mean, he's actually suffered worse. He actually was perfect, and none of us are perfect. So he suffered sinlessly. We, even when we suffer unjustly, we're still not the perfect son of God. He can completely relate with you kids. I don't know if you've ever been left out. You've ever had like a pickup game of of a sport and picking teams and you're the last one left. Well, that's not any fun. But then you're maybe in middle school and they see a kindergartner walking by and they say, hey, we'd rather have that kindergarten rather than you. That's kind of what happened. They said we'd rather have the murderer rather than Jesus. We'll even take a dangerous man rather than you. Jesus can relate if you've ever been. And if you haven't been in that situation, we've all been in adults, you know, right? Have we not all been humiliated at some point in life? Right? That's why we avoid it so much now as adults. And usually we can usually manage things to somewhat control it. Right? So if you're terrible at sports, you just don't go on the field. Right? If you are really bad at singing, you stay away from this thing. Right? No solos. If you're bad at public speaking, you try not to end up here. Right? Why? Because we don't want to be humiliated. But any, at least one of those three or some other one, you can come up with a scenario that you would easily be humiliated because you're so bad at it, right? We avoid it. But kids, I know you just can't always get away, right? In elementary, middle, and high, you can't always avoid humiliation. Like we can as adults. All of us can relate with you. We once were where you were. And we know what it's like. I, when I was young, when I was in elementary and middle school, there was this kid who had it in for me. I don't know why, but he just loved to harass me. He was very cruel to me and the things he said. And I just, I didn't like anytime I'd be someplace I knew he would be. It was no fun. Many of you can relate with that. It's not fun having someone being mean to you. How much does the approval of others matter to you? It matters a lot to all of us, if we're honest. Look at Pilate. How motivated is he? Look at 15. It says, so Pilate, wishing to what? Look, there it is, 15, wishing to satisfy the crowd. You know what, he knew that Jesus was innocent, but he wanted to satisfy the crowd. So he released the dangerous man and he scourged Jesus. Kids, you know what that means? Scourged? It's awful. In Rome, they had this custom before they would execute someone, before they'd crucify them, they would scourge them. They'd take this whip made of all these strands of leather, and at the, each, the end of each one of them would be a piece of either bone or metal. And they would whip it across their back and pull it. And It would rip open the flesh across their back. And over and over, Jesus had his back ripped open. First through the skin and then through the muscle. I mean, you can't imagine how painful that would be. Why in the world would Jesus endure this? Why would Jesus, if he could have called down 12 legions of angels, I probably would. You know why? Because he was absolutely committed to getting to the cross. He had to get to the cross so that you wouldn't go to hell. And I wouldn't. He had to get to the cross to pay the price for our sins. He would not let that whip stop him. As it ripped open his back more and more, he was, had his eyes set on the cross. He said, I've got to get there. I've got to pay the price. It says, we'll read in a minute. The joy set before him, he had to get there because he loves you. It was love that held him there. It was not anything binding his hands. It was love. Mm. I want to talk about shame for a minute. I think there's two categories of it. I think there's undeserved shame and deserve shame. What we have here in this passage is undeserved. Jesus did not deserve any of this, right? And then there's deserved shame. You did something that you shouldn't have done and you're ashamed for it, right? Okay, so deserve, undeserved. Or let's talk about that first. Undeserved shame. That's what's in our passage here. Jesus was silent as he received this undes- He did not deny it. He did not fight for, to defend his name. But he didn't internalize. It did not. It was not like a cancer that got to his bones. It was not his identity. How do I know that? Hebrews 12, I know that. I've been meditating on this for a while. It's a really good verse. If you're looking for something for your devotion, write on. Hebrews 12, the first four verses. I'm going to read it to you. It is so good. So good. It's done a lot of good for my soul. It says, and I can't, there's not time to explain it all. If you have a good study Bible, read the notes. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us do what? Lay aside every weight. I'll tell you, shame is a weight. Shame is a weight. It says, "Set aside every weight." You wouldn't, kids. You wouldn't run a race wearing a backpack. Take off that backpack and sin that that clings so closely and run with endurance the race that is set before us. You all have a race and you need endurance. You don't need a backpack to carry around. Take it off. Looking to who? To Jesus, the founder and perfect of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. And listen to these three words. Despising the shame. What does that mean? Jesus despised the shame? I'll tell you what it means. What does it mean to despise something? It means to hate something. It's the opposite of to love something. He didn't love the shame. He didn't embrace and hold on to it. Some of you are likely holding on to shame as if you love it. We should despise it we could another translation says scorning its shame and then he's seated at the right hand of the throne of god this is our goal consider him who endured from sinners such hostility that's what we're doing this morning we're considering him jesus who endured such hostility from sinners against him so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted brothers and sisters i don't want you to grow weary and faint-hearted In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You haven't died for your faith, so we don't want to be um, weary and faint-hearted. The shame did not crush him. He carried it like a backpack, and then he took it off. He did not wear it like a jacket every day. He didn't put it on over and over again. I mean, can you imagine Jesus right now? He's in heaven right now, isn't he? In heaven right now, shouting at himself in a mirror Every terrible accusation he was told. Keeping a book of everything he was told. Can you imagine Jesus doing that right now? Of course not. Jesus wouldn't do that. He, he wore the shame. He was mistreated. He was abused. And then he took it off. And he was exalted. That no longer is his identity. It should not be your identity. It should not be your identity. Despise the shame. Despise the shame. What are you doing with your shame? Are you holding on to it? Are you shouting in the mirror at yourself? Brothers and sisters, please let go of your shame. Take off the jacket and don't put it back on. Okay, that's undeserved shame. Let's look at deserved shame. You did something shameful. We feel like, well, this is my fault. I've got to wear this. I did it. This verse, this passage speaks to you as well. Jesus took the shame that you deserve. You all know that he took the penalty for sin, right? I'm not going to hell because Jesus paid the price for my sins. He also not only took the penalty, but also the shame of your sin. Did you know that? Jesus took the shame of your sin. You know, no no longer are under the wrath of God, but your identity now is no longer the shame of the things you've done. You now have the righteousness of Christ. You have the righteousness of Christ. Wear that as a jacket. Put that on each day. I am a Christian. I try to lead by example. I try to from time to time share my own failures so that you can see it can be done. Do it with each other because it's no longer your identity. It's not like a cancer that gets to your bones. You can confess your sins because it's not your identity. This is helpful for even deserved sin. We must despise the shame and not to embrace it for all times. So if the verbal abuse wasn't enough, it, they're all railing against him. You saw there. That he was physically abused. We already talked about that. How he was scourged. In verse 15. Some of you have also been physically abused. Or sexually abused. Jesus understands how you feel. His body was mistreated in an unimaginable way his body was mistreated when you think you are alone crying out to God about how you've been abused you are not Jesus is right there and he gets it he understands what you're going through should you remain silent if you're being physically abused the same answer no you need to tell someone you know did you know you live in a country that you actually have legal rights It is illegal to abuse a child. It is illegal to abuse a spouse. Make use of the protections that you have. You should report it to authorities. You should talk to your pastors. You know, that's not true in every country. It's not been true in all times in history. There have not always been legal protections. There have been people that had no normal means of escape. But that's not you. Make use of the means of escape if that's your situation. Many Christians through history have been tortured, mistreated, and martyred for their faith. I mean, think of our Christian brothers and sisters who endured slavery. They had no legal rights. Some of them were flogged. You know this passage would have been so encouraging to them, wouldn't it? Anyone who's ever been beaten to know that Christ did it with confidence. Confidence that 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 shame that's being put upon them, they don't have to bear. This passage is to be an encouragement to us as well. Jesus took all the shame, all your shame, both the deserved and undeserved. 1 Peter 4.16 says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. You can stand tall and take off the jacket of your shame your king received physical wounds like nothing we can imagine and what's amazing was he actually deserved all the worship in the world but he was publicly humiliated now maybe you haven't ever been physically abused but just the fear of being humiliated makes you motionless makes you speechless in fear you cannot speak the name of Christ. You cannot speak up for truth, whether the topic is the gospel, sexuality, gender, right? There's plenty of crowds ready to ridicule you if you say the wrong thing, right? And that fear of that crowd, just like Pilate, right? He wanted to please the crowd. Do you want to please the crowd? And so we remain silent. We remain silent. So on either side, whether it's just the fear of shame or shame itself. Well, there's still more abuse coming for Jesus. Now more briefly, third. We can confidently be mocked. So after Pilate is done scourging him, look at those last verses. He turns them over to soldiers. How many? A whole battalion, it's about 600. Okay, you've seen a crowd of 600. So a crowd of 600 Roman soldiers surrounding Jesus, who's now bleeding profusely from his back. And how do they treat him? Look there. It says they put a purple robe on him, a crown of thorns. Remember the curse in Genesis 3? When God cursed the earth, what did he say would grow up out of the ground? Thorns. He cursed the ground. Jesus is paring every curse. The only crown, this is the only time Jesus was ever dressed as a king. It was before 600 Roman soldiers mocking him as he's bleeding. They beat the thing into his head. The crown of thorns. They spit on him. Have you ever been spat on? I haven't been how humiliating to be mocked in that way kids you might have had people laugh at you made fun of you that's no fun for many of us just the fear of being mocked is enough to keep us quiet you don't have to fear being mocked you remember our call to worship God said I I am he who comforts you who are you that you are afraid of man who dies of the Son of Man who's made like grass. Those 600 soldiers are made like grass. Jesus stood with confidence before them, being mocked as they, 600 men chanting, Hail, King of the Jews! As they spit on him and show him such disrespect. We can have confidence. And so many before us have looked at this and have had confidence to be so mistreated. And we aren't even worried about this. We're just worried that someone might make fun of us or think less of us because we're a Christian. The irony is crazy here. Here is Jesus. His his true colors are showing brighter than ever before. Right? As he's just with great confidence. And here is man. God, and you do, have you ever heard people say, oh, man's basically good deep down. Have you heard that craziness? People say, they have not read this passage. Man is basically, there's only one person who has ever lived who is deep down good. And how did we treat him? We tortured him to death. That's what we did with the one that was good. Man is not good. God enabled humanity to see how wretched we are. In this passage, as man got their hands on the Son of God, this is the darkest. They're the darkest, and Jesus is the brightest at the same moment. It's truly ironic. In conclusion, you can take risk for the sake of the gospel, even if it means being humiliated or mocked. How in the world do you think we're actually going to accomplish our church's vision? Remember what Andy read up here, the vision statement? Look, flip back to the front of your bulletin if you didn't turn the connect card. Look at the vision statement. It says, our vision is to experience the full life found in Christ alone and to help many others experience the same in every neighborhood. How many neighborhoods are there in Cane Bay? There's a bunch in every neighborhood of Cane Bay, Charleston, and around the world to the glory of God alone. We will not accomplish that if we live paralyzed by the fear of somebody mocking us. We have no chance. No chance. Of course, we need the help of the Holy Spirit, so pray, as I do. I, too, get scared. And so I have to pray the Lord give me courage as I speak to my neighbors. The early church took lots of risk. Because they watched Jesus face shame with confidence and courage. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. So whatever you've suffered now, or whatever you're afraid of suffering, is nothing compared to the glory that's to be revealed. Jesus saw beyond the cross to the crown, beyond the false accusations, the scourging with that whip, Beyond the crown of thorns that was beat into his head, beyond the humiliation and the mocking, beyond the shame was the glory. He saw beyond all that. I mean, what do you think the resurrection was with the vindication and the exaltation of Christ? This is true for you as well. This is true for you as well. Beyond the suffering, beyond the insults, beyond the verbal abuse, Beyond the physical abuse, beyond the rape, beyond the humiliation, beyond the mocking, beyond the shame, is glory for you. I hope you know that. I hope you see that in the life of Christ. Share your struggle with someone. God does not intend that you carry this burden alone. Stop shouting insults in the mirror. Take off that jacket. Despise the shame. You are a Christian. It's the only jacket you should ever wear. We close with these words from Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight, the weight of your shame, and the sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is marked out for us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus Thank you for enduring what we never could endure. Oh Lord, I pray that these words of yours would sink deep into their souls and set many free from either the fear of shame or the shame they carry around and put on each day like a jacket. Help them find new freedom to wear their identity in Christ, one with your very blood We pray in the name of Christ, amen.